Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. Bob Rommel is our state representative. Look forward to visit with Bob as well as Chris Jacobs. He's the founder and CEO of Juniper Research Group. We'll be talking about American Commitments Report. AmericanCommitment.org is the website. But the report on the AARP used to be the uh, uh, retired people of America, but it's no longer. We'll find out why and how uh, later in the show. It is October the 11th, and on this day in 2002, former President Jimmy Carter won the Nobel Peace Prize for his decades, quote-unquote, decades of untiring effort to find peaceful solutions to international conflicts, to advance democracy and human rights, and promote economic and social development. He's a peanut farmer in Georgia and served one term as U.S. President between 77 and 81. One of his key achievements as President was mediating the peace talks between Israel and Egypt in 1978. The Nobel Committee had wanted to give Carter the prize that year for his efforts, along with Anwar Sadat and Manik Begin, but was prevented from doing so by a technicality. He had not been nominated by the official deadline. The first Nobel Prizes, awards established by Swedish industrialist Alfred Nobel in his will, were handed out in Sweden in 1901 in the fields of physics, chemistry, medicine, literature, and peace. The Nobel Prize in economics, was first awarded in 1969. Carter was the third U.S. president to receive the award, worth $1 million, following Theodore Roosevelt in 1906, Woodrow Wilson in 1919, and former President Barack Obama in 2009. Obama won it for doing nothing. He did absolutely nothing. President uh, Trump was nominated for the award by th- on three different occasions last year or the year before. Point being is he'll probably never get the award because, as you can see from the trend here and the names that get awarded, uh, they're all liberals and globalists. Also, today is Columbus Day, a U.S. holiday that commemorates the landing of Christopher Columbus in the Americas in, 19, in 1892. 1492. And Columbus Day 2021 occurs today, Monday, October the 11th, although he arrived on October the 12th. He was an Italian-born explorer who set sail in August of 1492, bound for Asia with backing from the Spanish monarchs King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella aboard the ships the Nina Pinta and Santa Maria. He attended uh, to chart a western sea route to China, India, and the fabled Golden Spice Islands of Asia. Instead, on October the 12th, he landed in the Bahamas, becoming the first European to explore the Americas since the Vikings established colonies in Greenland and Newfoundland during the 10th century. Later that October, Columbus sighted Cuba and believed it was the mainland China. In December, the expedition found Hispaniola, which he thought might be Japan. There, he established uh, Spain's first colony in Americas with 39 of his men. In March 1493, Columbus returned to Spain in triumph, bearing golden spices and Indian captives. 
They explored across the Atlantic several more times before his death in 1506. It wasn't until his third journey that Columbus, Columbus finally realized he hadn't reached Asia, but instead had stumbled upon a continent previously unknown to the Europeans. Columbus Day today. And, of course, the marathon, the Boston Marathon, is being run today. I believe it starts at 11 a.m. Well, good news on the COVID front. NCH, the largest hospital system in Collier, reported a pandemic-high 232 patients being treated for COVID-19. But on Friday, that number has dropped to 46. That's very good news. So it looks like the uh, disease is dissipating here on the Paradise Coast. We can only hope so. Customs and Border officials captured two small packages of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine at Chicago's O'Hare Airport recently. The two drugs would have been raised an eyebrow before COVID pandemic, but since the Democrats and media politicized the completely safe, inexpensive, and effective medications, the customs agents are on the lookout for these cheap drugs. The agents captured packages of 100 ivermectin pills, 32 ivermectin pills, and 40 hydroxychloroquine pills. Meanwhile, Mexican cartels continue to smuggle record amounts of fentanyl into the country this year. Hydroxychloroquine was previously given emergency use authorization from the FDA for treatment against COVID-19, but in June, the agency repealed its authorization and warned against its using its outside of a hospital setting. Isn't that absurd? Good therapeutic, inexpensive, and they have not approved it. I talked to my doctor, and he, he said that uh, p- people that prescribe ivermectin uh, could be uh, have see their malpractice, medical malpractice insurance rates go up and so forth. So there's a lot of strings involved in this whole thing. It all seems so very political. I'm not saying there's not uh, some sort of a virus that causes people to lose their taste and smell and kills people on occasion. I'm not saying that, but I am saying there are a lot of politics involved in all this. Cases of COVID, by the way, in Florida are down 88% in the last 90 days with no mask mandates or vaccine passports required. Pretty amazing. Southwest Airlines has canceled over 1,000 flights. I think it's up to 1,800 now. As the second straight day of reported employee sick out has crippled the flight's carrier's operations nationwide. The chaotic scenes from airports across the United States drive home that this is not your minor hiccup but a nascent movement with the potential to bring the company operations to a grinding halt. Severe weather and air traffic control issues can be ruled out as the primary causes of the airline's disruption, as Southwest is the airlines being predominantly affected. The airlines recently announced vaccine mandate is obviously sparking a rebellion among its pilots, flight attendants, and service crews. It's also began with a recent court motion by the Southwest Airline Pilots Association Southwest Airlines pilots have asked a court to temporarily block company the company from carrying out federally mandated coronavirus vaccinations until existing lawsuit over the U.S. labor law violations is resolved, Bloomberg reported. The Southwest Airlines Pilot Association filing Friday also asked for an immediate hearing on the request before a federal court in Dallas, claiming the carrier had continued to take unilateral actions that violate terms of the railway Labor Act, which governs airline union relations, the report continued. Those steps include the COVID vaccination requirement. Southwest flights started to be canceled on Saturday, and nearly 2,000 flights have been delayed. 
Southwest continues to deny a sick out as at the heart of the operational problems. We can say with confidence that our pilots are not participating in any official or unofficial job actions. Southwest said in a press release, the air blamed poor planning and external operation challenges for the delay. But Southwest and American Airlines pilots unions warned earlier that pilots might quit in droves if the federal vaccine mandate was implemented. Southwest said it had no mandate vaccines because of new rules for the Biden administration requiring companies with federal contracts to have vaccinated staffs. Southwest uh, works for the government, including flying the military in emergencies and carrying mail for the U.S. Post Office. Now, by the way, it's only about 3% of their business, so it seems like a convenient excuse to mandate this. The Southwest sick out is already providing inspiration to those who feel this is a clarion call and the time for pushback against the Biden regime's still unissued federal vaccine mandate. Corporate media are scrambling to cover up the real source of the Southwest disruption, disruption out of fear it will be, spark a Tea Party-like uprising against the Biden regime. But with word coming out in more airlines and even Amtrak are seeing a development sick out situation, the mainstream media won't be able to hide the truth from the American people for too long. So, in fact, hundreds of flights and <clears throat> today and yesterday have been postponed or canceled in the and uh, out and out in Florida. Legacy media is claiming the outages are due to bad weather, but work has leaked. Word has leaked that the mass sick out at the FAA or Air Control Center in Jacksonville is protest the federal vaccine mandates. So it's not only the airlines like Southwest, but also the air traffic controllers are taking action as well. And this is uh, the uh, airline pilots are prohibited from taking this action. So it's all without a meeting or any calling anything together. It's all word of mouth and they're making it happen. My personal view is that this is all going to implode. In fact, hundreds of thousands of U.S. service members remain unvaccinated or only partially vaccinated against the coronavirus at the Pentagon's first compliance deadline near dears with lopsided rates of, uh, across the individual services and a spike in deaths among military reservists, illustrating how political division over the shots has seeped into the nonpartisan uh, force with unambiguous orders. So the uh, military looks like they're not, many of those uh, folks are not going to get vaccinated either, although I think in the Army there's 92% who are vaccinated, but only 73% in the, uh, in the uh, Marines. So uh, they could be tacking action as well. My point being is this could re evolve into a complete breakdown of the entire economy until Biden removes his mass mandate. The American people are just not going to put up with it. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lullaby's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with our state representative, Bob Rommel. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. He's also the author of several books, mainly about past presidents. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So we, uh, on this occasion, on Monday mornings, we talk about up-to-the-minute global news. And let's start off by talking about what's happening in China, especially with regards to Taiwan. Right. So there's two parts to the China story. Number one is, of course, uh, a speech by the president of or the chairman of China, who basically said that Taiwan will be reuni- reunited with China. He didn't threaten military action, but he was very insistent, and that's what's going to happen. And of course, yeah. that set off an additional alarm bells in Taiwan, who has been, over the last month or so, having more and more incursions in its security airspace, not over the island itself, but over its airspace. And um, somewhere along the line, you know, I've discussed this before, the United States is going to have to make it clear whether it's willing to defend Taiwan. And, of course, if we're not willing to, it will increase the chance that the Chinese will do something. If we are willing to, the odds are we won't have to. But that's, you know, it's a difficult line. Yeah, so so you mentioned the United States, but how about the U.N., other uh, uh, interests around the world? Do, you, do they have any uh, skin in this game? Well, I don't think the U.N. per se, remember China is a member of the Security Council of the U.N., and therefore right. the ability of the U.N. to do something is close to zero. Um, 
the other countries in in Asia do. I mean, remember the deal a couple of weeks ago with Australia? Obviously, Australia is unhappy about uh, Chinese muscling. Vietnam is unhappy about that, and the United States has been using Vietnam as a for port visits in the last uh, couple of years. Japan, of course, is unhappy. South Korea, I mean, everybody, you know, all those people have skin in the game. But, you know, we have the biggest amount of skin. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, all, all none of those countries that I just mentioned, they can all probably defend themselves, but they don't have the Navy to, to in any which way, defend Taiwan. So, it so keep... <clears throat> seems like we're, we're moving into uh, treacherous waters at this point. This is kind of a cutter, fisher cut bait for the United States. They have to make her declare their position on this. Absolutely. Even if we don't declare it publicly, we need to declare it privately. And, you know, the people of Taiwan are independent. Uh, they do not want to be part of communist China. And it's the only place we can still say communist, even though it's not a pure form of communism, to say the least. They don't want to, they have a democracy. They've had a, a strong democracy for at least the last 15 or 20 years. Um, and they're doing extremely well economically. They have absolutely no reason to want to be part of China. Right. So, uh, so does Taiwan have any ability to defend, it, defend itself? It certainly has a lot of ability to defend itself. It has a fairly advanced Air Force and uh, Navy. Uh, there's been limitations on what the United States has been selling, selling them because of fear of Chinese reactions. But we have been selling them more and more arms. Other countries in the world also, the same situation. People are afraid to give them their best arms because they're afraid of the Chinese reaction. But... Um, they certainly have the ability to defend themselves. They certainly will try to defend themselves. But, you know, you're talking about 50 million people versus a billion. Yeah. So without, I don't imagine without the help of the United States, they can hold off the Chinese um, for an indefinite period. I mean, you never know, obviously. Right. Um, and, of course, uh, the Chinese have never had any experience with um with amphibious landings or those sort of things. So, you know, they don't have that experience. Um, so I don't know. Um, Wait and see. But again, you know, where do we stand in all of this? That's right. A very important question. Where do we stand in terms of our, our position on that? So let's move to Afghanistan and what's been developing there, the postmortem on the uh, departure from Afghanistan. Right, so we've got a couple of things. First of all, there was a meeting yesterday between representatives of the United States and the Taliban government. Um, the U.S. will not recognize the new government, but from what I understand is willing to provide humanitarian aid. And that therein lies one of those really difficult situations, right? In other words, should the United States be spending money on helping feed the people of the government of uh, you know, the Taliban in some in that way, indirectly helping the Taliban. On the other hand, is it the fault of the people um, that that government lost and the United States pulled out? Should they starve to death because we're not willing to give humanitarian aid? Very difficult moral and political question on how to balance the two. Yeah, and it, uh, the Taliban is just getting started with regard to establishing world relations, trade relations, uh, and I, I would imagine their coffers are pretty empty right now. Coffers are completely empty. They have no money there. The people, most of the economy has been dependent on American aid, certainly in the last 20 years. The economy will, you know, fall apart other than the export of opioids, which is a whole other issue. Yeah. Um, so, 
it's a very very difficult question where you know we how do you draw that line um and um right now at least as far as i understand and no one knows for sure the united states has agreed to provide some humanitarian aid yeah so how about pakistan and neighboring countries well remember something i mean the, the chinese no doubt will provide aid yeah. uh, russians to some extent pakistan can't afford to provide much aid there you know their people are not exactly doing well, to put it understatement. The Iranians do not like the Taliban, and the Iranian government is barely, is barely, I won't say barely holding on politically, but economically is barely holding on. So, you know, again, it comes down to the rich nations in the world, always led by the United States, are the ones that can afford to provide aid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and I don't know. I really have very mixed feelings about that. Yeah, I understood. I'm not sure what the right course is. Yeah. So, uh, will the UN recognize uh, Afghanistan and this government? Or will they become... Well, actually- they haven't, but it's more, eventually they will, I think. There's no choice. They, to define a government um, as a nation-state, the government must have physical control over 90% of the nation and there are a few other, other issues and Democracy is not one of them, and human rights is not one of them. So I assume ultimately there's going to be no choice. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, that will probably, they'll survive. In other words, the, the government, the Taliban government, uh, is likely to survive. Most likely. Again, look, they were always popular with X percentage of the people there. Hmm. Um, certainly X percentage of the males, almost none of the females, obviously. Hmm. But... Um, they will survive. Most oppressive governments survive for quite a while. Look at what's going on. Iran is a perfect example. Absolutely. Um, and they've survived for 50 years. So let's move to uh, Austria, news in Austria. So Austria, the Chancellor of Austria has resigned. Uh, that is because he was being investigated for um, bribery, where he bribed to get positive news coverage. And instead of getting involved in a trial or anything else like that, he immediately resigned. Part of the reason was, I think, his coalition partners told him they wouldn't support him any longer uh, unless he resigned. And so he had no choice, and he resigned. Um, then there'll be a new government in Austria. Um, just, you know, good government, I think, more than anything else. Mm, interesting. A lot of corruption government, for sure. And it's good to see that some oh, of Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, most of the corruption, of course, is on the local levels. That's where, that's where the greatest amount of corruption occurs. The human trafficking on, on a local level in countries around the world is just absolutely appalling. Uh, yep, absolutely. So let's move, to, uh, let's move to the World Tax Agreement that Yellen is uh, proposing. Right, so the tax agreement, I think, is a very big step. It basically sets a minimal corporate tax at 15% worldwide. And what that's going to do is it will stop um, companies from basically moving profits around from country to country in order to pay as low as taxes as possible. You know, both a lot of the U.S. tech companies somehow created lots and lots of profits in Ireland so that they could pay a lower corporate tax, and they moved their IP to Ireland, and they managed to avoid, you know, paying a lot of taxes. Both I think Apple and Google did that, and some of the other tech companies. And of course, you know, it, it's it's a good thing at a level of playing field. Companies will make their decisions not based on on the taxes, and of course, I guess if people have too high taxes, then maybe. But 
No one's going to run around to a tax haven. Um, it'll bring in more income worldwide from these companies. Um, and generally speaking, I think it's an excellent uh, excellent step. Well, may I take an alternative point of view? I mean, to me, it seems uh, it really flies in the face of competition. Seems to me, if we were the United States, we would certainly want those companies to use us as their haven, and so we should keep our taxes as low as possible in order to attract as much business as possible here to the United States. And we're I not talking about business; we're talking about just moving around. No one's doing business in these countries; it's just moving around their profits. Yeah, no, I understand, but there's uh, there has. To but why would we want to do that? All that, all so, so some <laughs> island somewhere in the middle of who knows where is going to have the lowest rate at two percent, and then. The United States won't get the tax revenue from from Apple and Facebook, and Google, and everybody else. That's a very no it's a it, very dangerous it, precedent in my mind because you know the the federal income tax. What's started, dangerous about it? The federal income tax started with two percent. Now you get some sort of a global tax installed, and so it's not personal. This is this is this is. Well, I know, I know, it's a corporate tax. But my point is that once it gets established, then all the innovation starts around the countries, around the world, for people to start to. Uh, leverage this into more income and uh, more corruption, in my opinion. It seems to me we should Just keep... the opposite. This, this is going to eliminate the shopping for venues and money under the table to move money to the, move the corporate headquarters to Panama or to all of these different places that have had very low tax rates. Um, it'll force companies... Based on, companies will make decisions based on their business interests and not based on their tax interests. So they'll just take and a look at what happens. That should be where they compete. Com you know, states, countries should provide the best circumstances, the best laws, the best, you know, all the sort of things that you can provide to make a company wanting want to be located in your country as opposed to a lower tax rate. So uh, look here in the uh, United States, we, which we've got 50 Petri dishes of uh, ways to run our states. And Delaware, of course, has been extremely competitive in, uh, in terms of a, a place that has less regulation and uh, lower taxes for people to establish their corporate headquarters. So you have a lot of banks who are establishing their, their banks in uh, Delaware. And, uh, you know, uh, to me, it seems to... They have no usury laws, but let's leave that part aside. <clears throat> They're in North Dakota. I think North Dakota has no usury. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of credit card companies are in North Dakota because they basically all charge everybody usurious, I guess that's the right word, rates of interest. Yeah, um, which is illegal in almost every state in the United States, except I think it's north of South Dakota. Well, North places. Dakota, of course, has its own bank, and uh, which is kind of a, a separate topic, but I think extremely attractive for states around the United States uh, to to establish their own bank. Seems kind of counterintuitive for a capitalist or somebody who's in for free markets, but it's worked out extremely well for North Carolina, uh, for North Dakota. Yeah, but it's whether it, whether it makes sense on a national basis. You know, you can't look you you can't look at what's good for a particular location mm -hmm. per se, because you know what if I'm if I'm a country and I offer for the sake of argument I have offer ten two percent corporate tax rate, then all the corporations in the world will all move their he move their IP, not even their headquarters. They move their IP to my country. Um, so what has it been accomplished? I'll do very well with my 2% on money that I don't deserve because nothing has ever been developed or created in my country. And meanwhile, all the rest of the countries in the world will lose out on the income that they deserve because they've been providing the companies with defense and water and all the things that you provide, you know, all, all the infrastructure that a company needs. Unless they lower their taxes, unless they lower their taxes to 1.5%. 
Yeah, okay, but that doesn't work very well because ultimately there needs there needs to be some income. Well, the there needs to, but the, cor- the 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 uh, corporate taxes come out of the pockets of of uh, consumers. They don't come out of the pockets. No, why of corporations. They come out of the, well, not true at all. Corporate taxes are only on profits. It doesn't come out of out of consumers in any which way. Of course, That's it fallacy. does. It 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 it, uh, it uh, factors in right into the price of goods and services that are provided. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not the case. A company reports has. You know, sells a widget for for buys a widget for five dollars, sells a widget for ten dollars. There's a five dollar profit. It has three dollars in other expenses, marketing, advertising, uh, maintenance, and everything else. So it made two dollars profit on that widget. Now it made two dollars, and it's going to report two dollars in income because it's not going to do anything else with the two dollars. It's going to report and want to pay its want to pay its stockholders. Two dollars of income, and before it can pay its stockholders the two dollars, it's going to have to pay thirty cents to the to the government. How's that factor into the pricing at all of the widgets? Mark, uh, it seems extremely naive to think that 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 it doesn't factor. And of course, it factors in. If, uh, the state taxes in California, for example, for gasoline, you don't think people consumers pay higher taxes? Wait, 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 wait. I am not talking about anything but, but corporate. I am not talking about anything but corporate profits. I'm not talking about gasoline prices. All those things are something else altogether. Talking specifically about corporate profit, uh, profit. Excuse me, taxes on corporate reportable income profits, basically, yeah, yeah. and that does not impact the cost to consumers at all. May impact the amount of money they'll get in terms of dividends, but it does not impact the cost to consumers. Interesting. Well, um, I, I'm not sure we're going to resolve this issue, but at least there's two. Okay, but go speak. I mean, I've you know, I only have an undergraduate degree in economics, not a graduate degree. So go go speak to some, one of those Nobel uh, <laughs> Prize winners today who got the Nobel Prize in economics. No, we'll go, go talk to OAC. She got her degree in economics at Boston University. She'll know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move to what. Let's move to Christopher Columbus. Today is Columbus Day, and uh, today actually, is Columbus Day, and it's such a complicated issue. I mean, I've written extensively on my website on Columbus and all the things that he accomplished, and you know, we have this real problem because, uh, as I'm sure you and I will agree with the the need to today to put today's um, moral judgments values back into history and to judge people based on today's values and what they did back then. Yeah. And it, it's problematic because, I mean, you, yes, by today's, you know, by today's uh, values, Christopher Columbus killed a lot of Native Americans, was a imperialist, quote-unquote, and all those things. But Christopher Columbus found the new world for the Europeans, opened up a whole new uh, period of exploration, trade, growth for the world. And yes, there was certainly um, there was certainly damage done to the people who lived here before, the Native Americans, the Natives in Caribbean and all those places. But I, I think we have to find a way to um, recognize the accomplishments of people for what they accomplished and understand the fact that um, their moral compass may not have been quite the same as our moral compass today, and we, it's not fair to impose our moral compass of today on people who lived 500 years ago. So, so I think the backdrop of this discussion is the fact that uh, many people want to change the name of Columbus Day to 
uh, Indigenous Peoples Day or Indigenous something. Indigenous Culture Day or something of that nature. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but again, I, I, have a, I have nothing against Indigenous people, and they should be recognized sure. and everything else for, for who they were and what they contributed, etc. But Christopher Columbus changed history. He absolutely did. He was now, the Indigenous Americans might not think it was for the good, but that's a different story. When you take a look at the size of the Nina Penta and the Santa Maria, the size of those ships, I mean, they're like little dinghies out there in the ocean, and you can imagine the danger that they they uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. The danger is the willingness to go, you know... Remember, people thought the world was flat, and they would fall off the edge. Yeah. So, these are. it was a real big accomplishment, and it was... Historically, it made a tremendous difference. That would have, if it wasn't for Columbus, would someone else have done this? Most likely, obviously. Mm-hmm. But he was the one who did it. He deserves recognition for that, and understand that he was a flawed person, like so many of us. Well, certainly and, operating uh, op- operating within the ethos of his current uh, situation there, and of uh, you know, uh, yes, I guess he did take uh, uh, some slaves. If I'm not mistaken. But the point is that uh, he was operating with, I guess they call it the Zitzenleben, is it? The, uh, the situation of the, of the day uh, right, in, in his society. So. And um, again, so much of what took place hundreds of years ago would be considered totally immoral today, obviously. Yeah. So, you know, we need to understand the fact and understand that um, what he did may not have been great today, but what he did for them was tremendous. Absolutely. Well, so, Mark... Happy Columbus Day. <laughs> Same to you. Happy Columbus Day. Thank you so much. Again, we should have taken off today. We should, why, why are we working today? Because uh, people need to know. <laughs> so, <laughs> again, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a multimedia website, a terrific website. I hope you check out HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure, Bob. All right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Bob Rommel. He is our state representative. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. 
a 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Not only building a performing arts center in downtown Nation, but also bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Chris Jacobs. He's the founder and CEO of Juniper Research Group. Right now we have with us our state representative, Bob Rommel. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob, and how are you doing this morning? Well, I'm doing so well. I hope you are as well. I am, Bob, and you know what? You know, in the, in the country now, there's a bunch of problems going on still with you know, some of the COVID issues, people not wanting to go back to work, but I think California has finally figured out their problem. I just read that you know, amongst their high crime, high unemployment, uh, all the other issues they have going on there, all the lockdowns and mandates, uh, the governor just figured out an uh, issue that should fix it all for them. They're <laughs> going to require retailers uh, to have a separate gender-neutral aisle for toys. So that means uh, <laughs> be one aisle for – no, it's true. It's true. I know uh, it is. So uh, I think that's going to fix all their problems. Uh, of, course it, of course it is. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Or how about the fact that uh, we've got uh, agents uh, – uh, picking up hydroxychloroquine and uh, uh, ivermectin uh, uh, from uh, people who are traveling and, and ignoring the fact that we got fentanyl on all kinds of illegal drugs out there. It's just amazing what the focus of government is right now. You know, Bob, I must say, uh, just an opportunity to thank you and thank our legislators and as well as our governor for creating an environment here in Florida that is sane and it, it allows us to deal with the real problems we have, not these fake and phony problems. Well, we hope we never become California as long as I'm there and people like Governor DeSantis. We're going to make sure in the uh, grocery store or retail store that the demand is created, uh, the supply that the, the the retailer wants to have. What's happening in California, you, you would think that that would be happening in communist China or right. Soviet Union in their worst days, no, not here in the United States of America. So we're watching the... Uh the uh, COVID rate plummet here in California, anyhow, it's gone down substantially, 82% in the last 90 days, as I understand it, the rate of infection. But the the president is still saying we've got to have everybody get uh, vaccinated. Uh, now it looks like the pilots at Southwest Airlines are deciding they're not going to work. We've got uh, air traffic controllers in Jacksonville saying we're not coming to work. A lot of air, uh, people in the armed forces are saying, we're not going to get vaccinated. This is going to lead to a crisis that's just unbelievable. It's And again, just bad decision-making on the part of the President of the United States. Well, one of many crises that's been created by the Joe Biden administration. Uh, you know, you can't, you really can't demand anybody doing it. That's kind of, we're, we're pushing individuals to have to go buy electric cars, and whether that's good or bad, uh, Know, the future will tell but to push people to have to go and do it first of all they're much more expensive mm -hmm. we actually don't have the electric grid to uh supply them nor do we have uh, um you know 
enough uh, lithium to make all those batteries. But in the meantime, what they've done, they've increased the price of fuel since Joe Biden's been president by about 60 percent, which, again, harming the exact same people who's trying to help which poor people and middle class people. Yeah, and how about a, a basket of groceries, uh, people shopping? It's $175 a month extra it's costing now to just buy food based to, because of inflation. And, you know, this this really hurts the the, uh, the blue-collar worker. It hurts the, the people that are making $70,000, $80,000 a year. You know, and Bob, those bad, bad retailers that are raising prices because the forced regulations, higher wages... Uh, higher cost is good. That's awful. How could they? How could they raise price, prices? Shouldn't they just take it on the chin? And but I guess they would eventually go out of business. Yeah, no, it's just <laughs> that's right. Open up a not-for-profit. It's just unbelievable, Bob. So go ahead. Yeah, but I just want to say, you know, his policies that uh, he's instilled—that he thinks that he's helping the world—it's um, destroying the world. Yeah. Literally every single country is in a crisis because of energy right now. Europe is on the uh, the verge of total collapse because in Europe they don't really produce any of their energy. So now we're back at the hands of OPEC, which over the years, because the U.S. has increased its production, OPEC has slowed down. So now supply is tight all over the world. Uh, energy prices have doubled. And Europe going into a cold winter, uh, it may be a really cold winter for some people if they can't get the fuel. Yeah, just think of all the things that, uh, that Biden has reversed since he became president. Uh, we were energy independent. Now we're not. We're paying more for fuel. Uh, the border crisis has just been created by, if, if Biden had just left everything alone, everything would have been perfect on the border. Not according to his standards and what he wants to achieve, obviously. He wants to bring these people in so they can become registered Democrat voters. Uh, I, I think... <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, just absurd. So we've got, what, 400,000 people marching up uh, from Mexico to come to the United States. You know, it's kind of crazy. You know, last week we saw the Haitians. And again, I, I felt bad for anybody around the world that's living in a tough place. But you know what? They have to figure it out in their own country, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, we figured it out in our country 250 years ago. But all of a sudden, there would be 15, 20, 100,000 people at the border, and then three days later, they're just gone. Where did they go? Yeah, well, they probably went to Des Moines, Iowa, and they went to Portland, Maine. <laughs> they went all over the United States, unfortunately. You've heard about these motels that are putting people up. The The government has contracted with them to just house these people. They, they've got security there, so nobody can find out what's going on. It's just unbelievable what's and and the money, I mean, they're they're financing at the cost of billions of dollars out of U.S. coffers, out of taxpayer money, to to finance all this. Well, a billion's not that much anymore when you're throwing trillions <laughs> around like they're nickels. Yeah. So, Bob, what's important to you going into the new legislative session? It, you know, some of the things that are important to me, um, I'm sure not sure I really have the cure yet. It's kind of the threat of the federal government, uh, whether it's OSHA coming in and enforcing these. Uh, uh, mandates for vaccines or the threat of the CDC uh, thinking about calling gun violence a national health emergency. Mm -hmm. And these are powers that they actually have, those federal agencies, and we're trying to see how we can stop them. Well, that is a good focus, I can tell you, because uh, uh, right now, I guess gun sales have been through the roof, but obviously now the, the, this administration is looking at ways to curtail availability, even if you have your own arm, to be able to get ammunition. I know they, they keep forgetting, obviously, gun violence is a problem, but it's almost a, only a problem in large inner cities uh, that are run by Democrats. 
it's still there's not a gun that's made in America that pulls the trigger by itself. It usually takes a finger of an individual to do it. All right, and uh, of course, the people who uh, want to pull the trigger against another human being are <laughs> going to acquire their guns probably illegally anyhow. They're not going to be paying attention to the law. So gun control, all these things, again, uh, face it's it's uh, legislation that is meant to solve a problem, but it just creates more problems. That's true. But, you know, the good thing, uh, unless you were traveling on Southwest Airlines, it, it's, you know, some people said, what can we do about an employer mandating a vaccine? And truly, we don't want to be the other heavy hand of the government telling an employer what they have or have not to do. But employees need to stand up. If an employee doesn't like your policy from its boss, they either negotiate or they, you know, they strike against them. Yeah. And that's what it seems like we're having a quiet strike, whether it's, you know, in Southwest Airlines, some hospitals, and now we're even seeing it in the military. We cannot demand and force people to do something that they don't think it's necessary. God forbid down the road uh, when they realize the biggest health crisis in America is, is obesity and diabetes, which both can be controlled with diet, that the government's going to tell us what to eat down the road. But, you know, I know. Not, not here in Florida. In Florida, we're going to you know, live by the U.S. and Florida Constitution and protect everybody's individual's rights. Yeah. The CDC, in my opinion, should have probably said back, after we'd uh, gone through a couple of weeks of understanding what we're dealing with with regard to the virus, uh, could have said, look, we want everybody to take vitamin C, take some vitamin E, take some vitamins, get plenty of rest, make sure your immune system is healthy, and go about your business and run your life. Uh, well, that's kind of what we did in Florida. We, you know, we evaluated the situation, then we allowed people to go to work, we allowed people to go to school, but allowed, we shouldn't have you have that choice. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny, we're saying government allowed. Yeah, that's exactly right. I've actually... We create the government. we got to keep that in mind. Bob Rommel, again, our state representative. Bob, how do people get in touch with you? Do they have any questions? Or um, They can always contact my office or go to uh, Bob Rommel at BobRommel.net, and uh, that's the best way. And, uh, you know, we enjoy hearing from the folks, and, uh, you know, we pay attention. Uh, you know, we, we love our state of Florida, and we want to make sure Florida stays Florida, and maybe America will become Florida one day. Absolutely. Bob, we genuinely appreciate you taking time here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. God bless. You too as well. Thank you, Bob. Coming up, Chris Jacobs, founder and CEO of Juniper Research Group. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too.
School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.optimaed.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. We have with us Chris Jacobs, as I mentioned before the break. He's the founder and CEO of Juniper Research Group, just completing uh, some research for the American Commitment at AmericanCommitment.org. Chris, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thanks for having me. My pleasure indeed. Tell us about the Juniper Research Group. Sure. And so writing and researching consulting firm do uh, research regarding uh, major public policy issues and uh, did a report recently, as you suggested, about AARP and their conflicts of interest. Yeah, and uh, in fact, American Commitment uh, is, and I've had Phil Kirpin on the show several times and really appreciate his commentary. This report is, uh, in my opinion, pretty damning. Maybe you could tell us about it. It's a report on AARP for uh, quote-unquote retired people. Yeah, AARP bills itself as a, a seniors advocacy organization, but what they really advocate for is their own bottom line. And they've made billions of dollars by uh, overcharging seniors for um, health insurance, supplementary Medicare insurance, and take positions that are very contrary to seniors' interests. Could you uh, point out a couple of those uh, positions, for example? Yeah, well, the most important is that AARP um, makes money by overcharging seniors for, for supplemental Medicare insurance. They get a, quote, royalty fee, which is essentially a a commission that is tied to every dollar of premiums that seniors pay. In other words, when AARP charges seniors more for Medicare supplemental insurance, they make more money. That's an inherent conflict of interest. Most AARP members don't know about it but it is very much where AARP's interests are contrary to their own members. So when somebody receives a commission from insurance, typically they have to, or they, it's not typically all the time, you have to be registered as an insurance agent in the state in which you reside. Is the AARP a registered insurance agent? Are they following the laws according to uh, the insurance commissions? Not, not so much, actually, Bob. The reason that is that the National Association of Insurance Commissioners 
Association of 50 insurance commissioners in, in, all, in all the 50 states suggests that when you have percentage-based compensation like this, that there needs to be extra disclosure, that mm. seniors or customers need to know that there's a financial conflict that, that it, the insurance salesman gets paid more for every, every dollar that, that the individual gets charged. And we looked at this and, and asked AARP several years ago, are you disclosing this? Are you being transparent? They support supposedly consumer transparency. And AARP wouldn't even answer the question yeah. of whether or not they are being transparent and telling seniors about this. That tells you all you need to know about the way they, they conduct their business practices. Yeah, absolutely. And I would suggest they're also uh, politically motivated as well. As recall, back when Barack Obama was pushing a single-payer system and the Obamacare, that they were very supportive. And I don't necessarily think that was in, really in our in a retired people's best interest. Well, that's exactly right. Um, Obamacare rated Medicare to the tune of over $700 billion. And this was savings that, that were not used really to make Medicare more financially solvent, which has significant problems right now. It was used to pay for Obamacare. And AARP got calls, letters, hundreds of, of responses from seniors saying, do not endorse this, or, this, um, this legislation, and went ahead and did, did it anyway. And there were later emails and documents released basically saying, well, we're going to try to pretend to be independent from the liberal Obama uh, administration, but really we're in your back pocket. Hmm. So interesting. So what's the solution to all this? I mean, you're pointing out some pretty egregious behavior on the part of AARP. Uh, How can we get this fixed? Yeah, I think, first of all, seniors knowing that AARP has a conflict is important because they can decide, do I really want to pay an organization that makes all its money by overcharging me for insurance? I I would say no. Um, Secondly, Congress can intervene. They've investigated AARP and their their sleazy business practices before. They can certainly do so again and hopefully will do so again. And then state insurance commissioners can also regulate AARP more more strictly and the way they, they sell the insurance and these conflicts that are there and actually stand up for seniors and consumers the way AARP claims to but really doesn't. Yeah. Chris Jacobs, again, do you have a website at the Juniper Research Group? It is juniperresearchgroup.com. Uh, juniperresearchgroup.com. Also, visit americancommitment.org, I should say, americancommitment.org. A terrific organization that uh, takes a position on some of the some of the legislation that's kind of on the on the margin uh, that needs to have uh, uh, some spokespeople. And this is this is one of those where I think we could speak out I'm sure if you go to AmericanCommitment.org, you'll find uh, something about this uh, this paper, won't they, Chris? I think. Oh, that, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. Okay, Chris, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, indeed. I, I don't know if you had a chance to uh, see Trump's uh, uh, rally in Iowa the other night. It was absolutely fantastic, and he was on fire. He was talking about, Joe. needless to say, Joe Biden's border policies, uh, social spending, and all the weaknesses 
in the uh, Democrat Party right now. It was a vintage campaign form. Trump electrified a capacity crowd at the Iowa State Fairgrounds. By the way, the largest crowd they ever had in the history of, uh, of uh, the event of, at the fairgrounds on Saturday, putting on display his continued high popularity in America's first voting state. We're imploring Republicans to do more to fight the Biden-Democrat agenda. And he, he was just uh, really working it. He was just fantastic. Large crowd, fantastic crowd. We love Trump. We love Trump. Uh, make America great again. It was just fantastic. We must declare with one united voice that we cannot allow America to ever become a socialist country, he said in urging a defeat of the $4.5 trillion in spending plans that are pending before Congress. While saving most of the barbs for Biden, the 45th president also took aim at Republicans who capitulated and allowed a temporary debt ceiling increase last week after vowing not to do so. And by the way, I think Mitch McConnell, uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, got, McConnell got the uh, message uh, because he spoke out and said, we're not going to give him any more help. The phone lines have been lighting up uh, because people are saying, do not support the Democrats in these efforts. Don't capitulate. Well, Mitch McConnell did initially, but I don't think he intends to do so anymore. They just don't seem to have any spines, some of them, Trump said, in singling out some Republicans who folded on the debt matter. One Republican earned Trump's praise was Iowan Chuck Grassley, the Republican, longest-serving U.S. senator who is seeking another term at age in 22, 2022 at the age of 88. He hardly endorsed Grassley's re-election. Just a short note, after the Republican uh, elicited a loud no when the audience said, are you better off than you were 10 months ago? Certainly, uh, nobody is. And speaking for more than an hour, Trump took direct aim at Biden's policies for the economy to foreign affairs and stewardship of the military. He called the bungled Afghanistan withdrawal the most embarrassing event in the history of our country. And it certainly was. As he did during the, his unexpected 2016 run in the White House, the former president also seized on Americans' disdain the open border under Democrat control. Other countries are emptying their prisons, sending murderers, drug smugglers into the United States, and the former president said, we're becoming a dumping ground, he continued. Joe Biden has launched a foreign invasion on our own country, and he certainly has. Just unacceptable. He also repeated the 2020 election he lost was rigged, and he said he never conceded the race while taking over aim at the fake news media, long one of his favorite targets. He said the Washington Democrats' multi-trillion dollar spending bill would give money to such media companies, allowing reporters at the rally and others to buy a new car. <laughs> it was just on fire. So entertaining and so informative and uh, just a great leader for the Republican Party and for the nation, in my opinion. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with our state senator, Kathleen Pasadena. She'll be joining us, as well as Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo up in Madison, Wisconsin. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton will be joining us as well as my wife, Linda, who writes greetings from Paradise. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.